welcome to the Building Equity-Based Summers podcast. I'm Linda Braun, and I am a library community education, informal education consultant who works on um, supporting communities and particularly out of school time organizations to build and design and evaluate services that are equitable in their communities with youth and families. And I'm here with one of my favorite people in the world, Lakeisha Kimbrough. Lakeisha, tell us about you. Hi, thank you, Linda. Hello, everyone. My name is Lakeisha Kimbrough, and I um, do a number of things. Amongst those things um, is facilitating coaching and consulting um, that has a healing-centered lens. So healing-centered equity work, healing-centered work that leads us towards liberation um, and supporting programming, supporting um, organizations, supporting individuals, supporting communities, and what that might mean. What can that look like? How can we get there? Um, and really understanding the importance and the, the value of that healing component um, as we're working on more equitable systems, systems that support equity that lead us towards a liberated society for all of us. So in this podcast, uh, this is going to be a monthly podcast, and this is our inaugural podcast. So welcome. Very excited about that. We're going to be talking about topics that are central to libraries and communities working towards building equitable summer services. This is an outgrowth of a project that was started in the Cal by the California State Library and the California Library Association building equity-based summers. And we focused on summers because most libraries around the United States and maybe in other countries as well have very uh, intense, intensive summer programming for their community, summer services for their communities. And we wanted to work with libraries to think about how equity can be built into those um, summer services. So we've been doing this since 2020, and we're in our fourth year. And in 2023, uh, the project was um, awarded funding from the Institute of Museum and Library Services, and we've been able to expand the work, and the expansion allows for this podcast, and the expansion allows us to work with um, states around the country. And so at the moment, we have uh, 11 states that we're working with to build out the summer services that are equitable for youth, families, and communities. And this is our first podcast, which we said, and we're going to talk in this podcast about the why of equity-based summer services. Why equity? Why equity-based summer services? And, and maybe some of the foundational elements. And one of the things that we want to make sure um, to mention is that these podcasts actually grew out of their part of our Institute of Museum and Library Services funding. They also grew out of Lakeisha and I having these conversations sort of on a regular basis. I am so grateful to have someone to have these conversations with where we just like talk unscripted, just like somebody would say something and then we'd be off. And we thought, this is really fun. <laughs> it's also interesting and it 
can help people to um, uh, learn, to think, to have conversations with each other. And one of the things that I've, I've learned a lot about in our conversations, Lakeisha, is how to have equity conversations, right? Right. Like just what to be, what, what kinds of things do we want to talk about? How to talk about really difficult, sensitive topics with someone else. So I hope some of that comes through in this as well. So we're going to be pretty informal in these podcasts and we'll see where the conversations go. So I hope you enjoy uh, going along with us on this ride. And I'm going to start by asking you a question, Lakeisha. And the question is, why? Why (laughs) do we think equity in summer library services is something we should be paying attention to? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And I think that question, um, you know, it is probably at the core and the center of of not just library services, right? But why equity in general? Um, and we know that we live in a space where we're humans and we've made constructs and those constructs have caused us to other one another. And those those constructs um, such as racialized identity, um, such as gender identity, uh, socioeconomic status, right? There's so many ways that we have created things to other, um, which has caused us to be at odds with one another for millennia. And it's created systems that are very inequitable, systems that have been designed to support the quote unquote normal, the quote unquote um, right group to be in, right? Um, And so because that has happened, we've lived within inequitable systems. We've all grown up in an inequitable society. And that means that we've not been able to truly reach our full potential as individuals or as a society. And libraries are no exclusion. No exclusion to that. Every single system, every single institution has been impacted by systems of oppression and how do we begin to explore how the system that I work in, the institution in which I work in, how has that helped to further these systems? Where has, um, where have libraries been in a place of colluding, even if that's not what we want it to happen because systems of oppression are tricky and sneaky they get us to collude the way they're designed the history of libraries right like um where were libraries in different cities were the better libraries in areas that had higher economic um, residents that had predominantly white residents? When were married women allowed to have their own library card, right? <laughs> when, you blew my mind. Were you the person who said it was not until the 70s in Seattle, in I think, Seattle, or something yeah. that, that was not, right? Well, just like, 
just wow, right? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. I think we, um, and, and I think the other thing is we get really stuck on the racialized component. Mm -hmm. And that's important because it does um, touch on and impact every other system, especially when we're thinking about intersectionality of things. Um, so the why is we want to be able to heal the harms that have been done. And I know we, we sometimes like to say, oh, the library is a neutral space. There's no such thing as neutrality in the way systems of, of oppression work. There's no such thing. Everything has been designed to kind of help support the furtherance of or the, um, the shifting away from right mm -hmm. and so equity and summer services for libraries is a few things it's really naming and addressing wow just historically how have libraries been part of of um, the othering process and how do we begin to heal that how do we begin to create spaces that are truly spaces of belonging for all members of our communities, of our society. And in order to do that, we really have to um, ask ourselves, how do I get comfortable mm -hmm. with being uncomfortable learning the history and thinking about how are policies and procedures in our library continuing to support these things? How does my summer programming at my library, how might that um, actually be non-inclusive of members of our community? How might that programming um, not support community, but support libraries um, mm -hmm. and uphold, you know, the work of libraries, but not uphold um, members of the community and holding that no community is a monolith. And that when we say the community of a particular area, we know that community has many sub communities. And so um, I think the why is there's a lot of repair. And if we want to truly move into a space where society is for all of us, all of our systems, all of our institutions, all of the work we do within our organizations, our businesses, our institutions, we must begin to examine how is the work that I'm doing in this space creating and will ultimately ripple out into a truly just society. Yeah, that's great. You, I was taking a couple of notes, which I don't usually do when we have conversations. <laughs> but I thought, oh, I'm doing a podcast. We better, I better take notes. But so many things came to mind for me as you were talking, because when um, we started this work, the why wasn't different, but I don't think it was as deep as what you were just talking about, right? It was, mm -hmm. so for me, it was a little superficial, right? Like library staff say that they, um, in the summer, they help, you know, those who aren't able to do paid activities, right? And they're right. supporting youth and systemically marginalized communities by just offering services. And that right. was sort of, and in, in my mind, when we started this work, I was like, 
no, that's that's not what you're doing. So I was looking at it at this very, I don't know if superficial is the right word, but at this level where it's like, I know, that sounds terrible. I I can see that while that is your goal and you think it's important to reach lots of different communities in order to make sure that youth and families are able to participate and be engaged in activities over the summer, awesome. That often the case is that really it's the same youth and families who are right. participating year round and are not from systemically marginalized communities. Right. And so that's where this started in my head. And then in working with you and working with others, understanding that there is this collusion, there is this oppression that's actually keeping libraries at that level. Yeah. So systemic work we're trying to do is really important because you can't um, dismantle all of the collusion, the oppression, et cetera, without getting into the systems. And how I've grown to understand this in some ways is the why of um, equitable summer services is partly to dismantle systems. Like yeah. one of the reasons we're doing this is to dismantle these systems, which do not give us the chance to actually bring in systemically marginalized community voices, to go out into our communities and really get to know people in the communities, to understand what summer should look like with yeah. the community, right? And yeah. so as you're talking about that, I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't really articulated in my own head that idea of, yes, we need to do this because we need to be realistic in what libraries are really doing in the summer. And if you really think that you know that you want to reach this larger group, mm -hmm. then we have to dig deeper into the systems and it can't right. be without that. And that's, right. that's the biggest challenge for library staff. I think we've seen is like dismantling these systems or thinking about like, oh, I don't have time to- right. Or I don't have the capacity to do yeah. this. Actually, yeah, let's think about where that comes from, right? And so, right, that's super fascinating to me. All of a sudden, as I'm starting to think yeah. about this, yeah. And the 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 dismantling, we where part of that why is let's dismantle and reimagine, yes. and recreate, yes, and re envision. Because if we right. only dismantle, right. we're still in a mess, right? <laughs> And worse so, mess right we're in a worse right. mess and so you yeah, know there's yeah. this simultaneous work yeah. um that i i truly get and you and i have had these conversations feels overwhelming can feel overwhelming can feel daunting mm -hmm. does feel daunting um and that's fair and it's also joyous and it's liberating um, to think about how this one, perhaps this one change in maybe how we do registration, you know, got us a little bit closer to our, our goals of equity around registration for summer programming, perhaps. perhaps. Um, how is that helping to lead towards dismantling some, mm -hmm. some systems, mm -hmm. some pieces? And also simultaneously helping re-envision what that can look like okay, and how right. does this one thing begin to have a ripple effect and lead to additional things so in our whys starting with what can I influence 
as an individual? What can my team influence? What can we influence when we come together in partnership with community? And, and re really remembering and holding that um, the why is about heart work, right? Like we buy into the why because it it's something we believe. It's something that emanates from our very beings. Um, and then the how we get to the why might shift and vary and our why might grow and deepen and that might shift. We might have different iterations of our why over time, perhaps for libraries. And Linda, you and I encourage folks um, to think about if you're not sure what your why is and you're thinking, what is, what's my personal why, but also what's my library's why? Looking at like, well, what's my library's mission and vision and how do I pull the why from that? And how can my team lean into that, right? Um, and where is maybe that aligned with perhaps a community partner's why? What are our individual whys and how does that align with my own values and beliefs? So lots of ways, I think, also to think about the why, um, because understanding the why can help us get to the how. Um, yeah. And can help us think, you know, I think sometimes we do a why, why summer services activity um, in some of the work that we do. And often the why is, seems to come from this place of saviorism, right? right? There's a lot of that. And thinking about your community and the why for your community, right? Like mm -hmm. really what's going on? Who do you know? You said, you know, what? how does your why connect to other organizations? Why talk or vested partners? Why talking to people and finding out their why can actually help you identify your why, right? That's another yeah. way to think about that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think why needs to be why the library in this community, this neighborhood mm -hmm. is uh, facilitating summer services. And right. that is, and it's not, I know we go for these global whys, like one of the ones we hear all the time is um, to end the summer slide, right? right. It's like, yeah, right. no. I mean, I, <laughs> right. really, what really is that? You want to help youth, um, and we say systemically marginalized youth over the summer, be a part of a community, learn, engage, right. Whatever, and that will maybe help them to achieve in school next year. We don't know that's really the case, but you're not going to end the summer slide. Right. And what right? we know is that when folks feel like they belong somewhere, right. when folks have right. a sense, a true sense of belonging, when folks that that supports psychological safety. Yeah. yeah. Right. And when I feel safe, when I know I belong, when I know my voice matters, when I know the voices of those in my community matter and that my community belongs and that the library, because we're talking libraries, is part of that, is part of making sure that um, they're not in the community, but not part of the community, right? 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 That we know that those types of things support 
social development, support emotional development. So if we're talking about our youth and young people, when our, and this is true for adults as well, when I feel like I belong, when I feel like I connect, when I have um, meaningful, authentic relationships where people see me, mm-hmm. and that could be mm-hmm. the library staff at my library, right? I, they're out doing things in our parks or with our, our um, boys and girls club, or they have a garden at the library and we're doing things there. Maybe I go to story time. So I'm seeing my li- my library staff in the community and at the library and there's trusted adults there. There are folks there that are helping me know I matter. I, I am important. My voice matters. Mm-hmm. Those things lead to academic gains. Right, right. Now, whether or not the library can say, here's the correlation, right? right? right. (laughs) And be able to use that on a data report for potential funders, probably not, right? And we, we still know that those things that support that emotional development, that social development actually do lead to academic gains for young people. Right. When you're confident and comfortable in who yourself, who you are, of course, mm-hmm. you can do better academically. And I'm also realizing, and I wonder if this is part of the systemic um, challenge, is I think people can tell us if this is not accurate. I think people feel, feel like their why has to be big, right? You can't have mm-hmm. a why that is um, building a sense of belonging in the community, which is actually still pretty big, right? That's huge. But yeah. In the summer slide in whatever, whatever, it just, I, I actually mm-hmm. love to think some more about and talk to people about, you know, what if we focused on the why of summer, like just something really concrete and small, doesn't yeah. have, it's not small because the outcome will actually be pretty powerful, but you don't have to and the summer slide, you don't even have to have like, and some I'm using the phrase summer slide, which is something that I actually am not sure about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say that that's what libraries often um, talk about. And so I wonder if part of the challenge is it feels like I have to do something like that people are going to go, oh, the summer slide, the library is working on the summer slide as opposed right. to working on helping young people build confidence, right? right. Like just like that is yeah. true. And I wonder if that's part of the systemic challenge because we have had libraries say, you know, we have to have numbers and we have to right. have all of these, like we have to show 5,000 mm-hmm. people participated or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a lar- large sounding um, why attached to that need for numbers, it could feel like you're not being successful which is yeah yeah and that's I think um one of the things that can be saddening and disheartening uh because I think folks who are working in libraries are often also aware of what you just named like that big overarching why sometimes gets lost and sometimes lends itself to supporting that um that feeling that I don't have time, I don't have capacity, yep. I don't have yep. bandwidth. How, how are we supposed to do that? 
Yeah. Um, and can make it hard to lean into where we actually have a, a decent amount of agency yeah. um, and to lean into and see our spheres of influence. Uh, and in some ways, I think that's almost by design, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Because that is one way that systems of oppression get us to continue to collude because it's overwhelming, it's daunting, it, it can begin to have us feel powerless yeah. Yeah. in this. Um, and when all of those things begin to happen, as humans, we begin to default to status quo. We'll just right. do what we've always done. Right. Being able to even, as you said, pull back some of yeah. the layers of the why. Yeah. And and one of the things that we could probably even do is um, there are spaces where, where sometimes folks do why work, Linda, and it's, mm -hmm. what do I want to do? Right. So you create this like statement. What do I want to do? What do we want to do? And then ask yourself why. And when you answer that, ask yourself why again and yeah. do that yeah. so that you've asked yourself why five times yeah. and see what you end up with. And yeah. that might be the place to start. So even if you start with like something feels really big, ask yourself why five times and, and, and with your why, what are you already doing in your library, in your community that is already supporting your why? Your why doesn't have to start from scratch. It doesn't have to sound super profound, right? Your why um, doesn't have to have all these big lofty goals. Nope. You might have a huge lofty aspiration. You're still going to need small goals to get there. Yeah. And yeah. that might shift. And so thinking about your why What's all, what are you already doing? How are you already living into your why? I think is also important to think about. We will be back in a, in a month. And so I'm curious what you're all thinking. And we look forward to uh, having another podcast out soon. Thank you, Lakeisha. Yeah, thank you, Linda. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this inaugural podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you.